following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Of course, my man Mike Bash is with me. What's going on, Mike? How much? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We have plenty to talk about today. Yeah, it was a you know not a shocking trade. But a uh, a trade that definitely will have a ripple around the league, a ripple oh, for sure. I mean, now when you say not a shocking trade, honestly, I was a little shocked that it ended up being the Raptors as the one who's the trade partner for Kawhi Leonard. I don't if you know about go back, if you go back about three weeks ago, a month ago, yeah, I'm shocked it was Toronto. But if you go back about ten days ago, that's when reports started circulating that. Toronto was going to be the place, or Toronto was one of the leaders. So, looking back like the last two weeks, I'm not too shocked. But yeah, if you would have told me, you know, beginning of the summer, uh, then I would have been shocked at Toronto because I didn't think that was a trade place for him. Right, exactly. And you know, when at first when you look at Toronto, you don't really see like many prospects, draft picks, or anything that somebody would really want you know that like there's no other than the some of the guys on their bench like you like maybe og and anobi and then maybe van vliet and Pirtle. like those are the three big assets they have because when in terms of draft picks the raptors are good enough to still get even if they didn't trade for Kawhi, they're still good enough to get a top three top four seed in the east so that means if you trade a draft pick, it's not really going to be all that great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there weren't many options, and Toronto has a good roster, so the draft picks aren't going to ever be high, for, at least for the time being. I think the Spurs went with the most Spurs-type player by getting Jakob Podol, the European big man. That's what Greg Popovich loves. To go along with DeMar DeRozan, of course. Right. And looking at this trade, it's kind of – it's a short-term deal for one team and a, and a long-term deal for the other. The the Raptors side of it, it's short-term with the assumption that Kawhi Leonard's not going to resign. And then obviously for the San Antonio Spurs, it's a long-term deal with DeRozan there for another three years and Poto being a 22-year-old. Right, of course, yes. Yeah. So it's definitely – Especially with all those reports about, well, at first about Kawhi Leonard having no desire to play for Toronto at all. And then just recently, I would say it was like maybe an hour ago, probably less. There was a report that he's apparently, quote, warming up to playing in Toronto. Um, But especially with those kind of reports, you're looking at it like this is 
a one-year rental, and they're going have to do they're going to have to do a lot to convince Kawhi Leonard to stay there. Um, but you know, you look at something like OKC, and we talked about this last episode. Nobody thought Paul George was going to stay in OKC. Now, I'm not trying to compare OKC's situation to the Raptors situation because obviously the Thunder had a superstar uh, MVP in Russell Westbrook and uh, they've been a team who, you know, you just needed a few more pieces and they thought they could compete. Whereas with the Raptors, it feels like you need like a couple more superstars, not just uh, like one or two more uh, pieces to go on top. So... It's going to take it like it's going to be a long shot for him to stay. And I personally, I think, sure, the Raptors might have needed to, you know, take a shot in the dark and see what would happen. But I feel like in the grand scheme of things, this really isn't the best deal for Toronto. I, I, I can agree with that to an extent. I think with Toronto, they see that LeBron's out of the East, and obviously Boston is a very strong team. Obviously Philadelphia is becoming a very strong team, and Toronto, the third team in the Atlantic Division, that's very strong. It has that's where the short term window comes in. Do I think it's a foregone conclusion that Kawhi Leonard leaves after the season? No, I do not, because if if he's healthy, and and, and that's a big if. If he's healthy, he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. Right. He's a t- he's a top five player in the NBA when he's healthy, and we've seen LeBron's done in the Eastern Conference by just being the best player. Now, granted, LeBron's on a whole another level than Ka- Kawhi Leonard, but it, it gives him that that short term window of okay, Ka- Kyrie. I mean, I'm sorry, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Valanciunas, Ibaka. They got some pieces there. If all right. things click, if somebody goes down on one of those other two teams, you know Ben Simmons goes down or Embiid or Kyrie goes down again, there's a there's a door for them to get to the NBA Finals. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's likely, but there's a chance. They were the one seed this year, so there's a chance there. And if if even if they get close, let's say they get lose in the NBA in the in the conference finals, if LA is doing things great over there and Ingram's progressing they might not need Kawhi you know if 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 they're strong without him I you know it's not a it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave and that that situation with Paul George proves that anything is possible and Kawhi doesn't say much so we will we'll never know the answer to that question I mean those, those are great points um and like you said it's a big if we got to see like we haven't really seen Kawhi play, especially at a hundred percent, in over a year. So we have no idea what kind of like impact Kawhi is still even gonna make when he gets back on the court. Like we don't know if this kind of in whatever uh, injury he had going on with his quad and everything, whether that was like it, whether it's going to alter how he plays for the rest of his career or whether it's going to be absolutely nothing and he's completely healed. Like we have no idea. So the very first thing is we need to see him step on the court and actually get back to the form that we know Kawhi can play. But 
like you said, I agree with the fact that if he is healthy, then he's definitely the best player in the East, and he's already an MVP candidate. Um, but in terms of, like, I don't want to say it is a foregone conclusion that he leaves, but I would say it's, like, in my mind, I think it's, like, 99.9%. Um, I wouldn't put it that high. Okay. All right. Um, the reason I say that is there's a lot of variables that can happen. For okay. example, the Lakers, they can make a trade for Damian Lillard. If they make a trade for Damian Lillard, they're not bringing Kawhi. The the Lakers could, and, and I don't think he's going to the Clippers. I know he said he wants to go to L.A., but I don't think he's going to the Clippers. So Lakers is really the only destination that he's going to leave for. If they make a trade for Damian Lillard, there's not that's not going to happen. If if uh, Brandon Ingram goes and becomes a 20-point-a-game player, they might not go for Kawhi. I know he's talented, but there's this quote-unquote baggage now. Um if you know if he comes in the East and they they win the one and they're the one seed again and they make it to the NBA Finals, he's probably not leaving Toronto. If they're the two seed and they lose in the NBA Finals in in six games, he might be inclined to stay. I I, I would probably say it's about seventy five eighty percent, but I wouldn't put it as ninety nine percent because there's just too many things between now and July first next year that could happen that could change the whole landscape of what Ka- uh, Kawhi has is. And as you know, and as an option for him in free agency, I hear that. I mean, it's pro- we're probably going to have to agree to disagree, just because I see it like a little bit more as there's going to have to be a lot of things. Like, yeah, it, it, say Toronto, you know, does have things bounce their way and they become like a top three seed, maybe make the finals, whatever it may be. Um, even with Kawhi on the Raptors, I don't see them like pushing Golden State that far or oh, you know, no. anything I, I like that. I don't think they I don't think they'll win the NBA Finals. That's not what I was I was getting at. Right. My right. point was they're better now than they were before the trade. Assuming okay. Kawhi's healthy. Okay. So they very well can win the Atlantic. They very well can be a top two, three seed in the East. Uh, or at least top two, three record. I forgot how they if they change their seating rules. But um, yeah, no, I, I, a lot of things can happen. I'd say it's still yeah, eighty percent. But there's also the other side of this trade for uh, Greg Popovich and the Spurs. True. I really like what they did. Okay. DeRozan, uh, perennial All Star, gets you twenty five a night or twenty three a night. Yeah, he's a little got some shooting deficiencies, but you got him. He did step Lamar- it up last season, though. Yeah, a little bit. You got him. You got the Lamarcus Aldridge. You got some veterans like Rudy Gay and 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 Paul G- Pal Gasol, and then you got a young, exciting, up and coming point guard in Deontay uh, Deontay Murray. And I think Podol in Popovich's system, learning from Pal Gasol. I'm not saying he's going to become some star, but I think he's going to realize some of that potential that made him the ninth overall pick. And the fact that both players are still relative, both both players are not old, and and uh, DeRozan signed for three more years. I think this is a great, great deal for San Antonio. I don't know if you agree with that, but I I personally think that they made a great deal, and I would like to see what happens with it. So I thought they made a good deal. 
Do I think it was the best deal they could have made? I wouldn't agree. Um, just because it... Well, alright, I, I should put it this way. If if they're still trying to compete right now, even though there still is the whole, you know, Golden State getting boogie and now LeBron on the Lakers, all that kind of stuff. If their goal is to compete right now, then yes, they made the best deal they could. Yeah, of course. But if you're looking to make a deal that still makes you a little competitive and gives you a better chance of building upon that, I don't think this is the best deal. Because you still had offers on the table from teams like the Sixers who are still offering guys like Sharich and Robert Covington plus a first-round pick. And then you still have offers from, say, the Celtics who were offering guys... Uh, uh, younger guys and first round picks as well with the plethora of picks that they have you still had the Lakers offering picks and guys like um, like Kuzma and and uh, Josh Hart and guys like that summer um, league MVP Josh Hart exactly summer league MVP right there that's how you know he's gonna be a great player right <laughs> <laughs> Just like Lonzo Ball. Exactly. I mean, see how that's turned out so far. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, like, there were definitely better options if they still wanted to be, you know, that lower-level seed, but still competitive, still, you know, pushing for a playoff spot, but still also have a chance in the future. But, like I said, if they're competing right now, then, yes, this is a good move. You got Jakob Pertl, you got... Uh, DeMar DeRozan, who, on top of that, DeRozan has proven to be a very loyal player that plays for the team, never speaks out against the coach, against the organization. Well, unless you're Toronto now, who traded him after all these years. But um, he's a guy that has been a team player, has always been there for his teammates, and he's going to, like you said, go in there, give you like 25 a night. Um, So... This is somebody who can be a really valuable aspect of the team. And on top of that, he's like, what, 27, I think? I think he's – actually, I think he's pushing 29. Okay, all right. But still on the younger side of 30, which is still isn't bad. Um, and they – so they got rid of uh, Tony Parker. He didn't resign, obviously. Mata Ginobili's still thinking about retirement – um, so you have the younger guys coming up. They got rid of Danny Green, who was on an expiring contract anyway. Uh, but you still, I mean, they still have developing guys that were coming up through the ranks as is. Um, they still have uh, Bertans, who is pretty much like a smaller version of Jakob Pertl. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is still there as well, so you still have another... Uh, star player as he's been producing in that aspect they still have guys like patty mills and stuff like that as well so they're still going to be competitive uh well, yeah yeah and uh i think getting Jakopoto, uh greg popovich just had to uh you know reach his european quota <laughs> by replacing tony parker but exactly. no, I, 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 one of my, one of my buddies is a, is a Spurs fan. Okay. And I saw his perspective on the trade. This with Popovich, with guys like Aldridge, with Kawhi before they got rid of Kawhi, the Spurs aren't in a position where they're they're going to bottom out. 
They're right. not really in a position where they're going to win a championship because of what's going on in Golden State. So they're the only thing they got to play for is to try, make the playoffs and see what they can do in the playoffs. Right. So right. that's why I don't mind this trade because it, it's it's a it makes it extends their window for another couple of years to be a six seed, a five seed, maybe, or sure. you know if if things aren't as good, maybe a seven or eight seed, um, and. You know they're they're not gonna bottom they're not gonna bottom out the the day that they decide to bottom out is the day Greg Popovich walks out the door. Oh, I completely agree. So, was the best package? Yeah, I agree with your your pack your your statement that the best package probably wasn't from Toronto, but I don't think they were trading him to the Lakers purely out of spite. Oh, agree. If, if they could have got Kuzma and Ingram and two first round picks, that's probably that's a better building for the future. Than than Podol and DeRozan, but like I just said, it's not like the Spurs, especially with Popovich, to to do that. So so by 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 looking at what what their choices were, I, I'm fine with the trade. I, could they got Jalen Brown maybe? But again, you're going young players. You're going for rebuilding, right. and by getting DeRozan, by getting Podol, I think it's a good deal. Yeah, no, I I still do like I, I still agree. I still think it's a good deal, um, and I think that on top of it, uh, I agree with uh, one of our guys at Basketball Society, Felix John Baptiste. He put out a piece uh, just earlier today saying how it kind of shows how NBA teams can still flex their muscles in the front office, and I think it was kind of a savvy move on San Antonio's part to send Kawhi, a guy who just keeps demanding that he's to get out of there, to get out of there and sending him to a team that wasn't even on his list of like teams that he wants to go to uh, and still get a decent package in return. You ship him out of your conference. So you're not even going to have to play him again. And like, you kind of give him like the oh well you want it out well we got you out don't really care that you don't like the team but see you anyway <laughs> and so I like I kind of I kind of liked that because I thought it was like hey you demanded out and you're gonna act like a a child about it well we're just gonna ship you wherever we feel like shipping you now yeah and and yeah, I, I don't. I didn't. When I heard when reports, whatever it was, two months ago, six weeks ago, however long ago it was, mm-hmm. that Kawhi wanted out, I just said to myself, I said, I can't see Popovich or RC Buford. I can't see them sending him to a Western Conference team unless it was some monster haul that was gonna set them up for ten more years. I was just like, they're not gonna. That, that's not what Pop, like Popovich is. Is a jerk. Right, and he's gonna do that. He's gonna stick it to you. You know, luckily for Kawhi, he didn't get sent to the uh, Detroit or what's a <laughs> what's a bad team in the East. Uh, you know, I don't want to say Charlotte. Brooklyn because you know Brooklyn wouldn't trade for him, but Charlotte or or Atlanta. You know, he, he sent him to sent him to one of the best teams in the East, but he sent him out of the country. So right. always, you know, he's gonna have to adjust that. Well, no. It's a good deal on both sides. Uh, Danny Green's a good playoff player. Oh, you know, yeah. regular season, he's not going to wow you, but three and D, it's a good deal on both sides, in my opinion. And it, it was a deal that uh, I didn't see coming a while ago. Right. 
And honestly, since you just mentioned Danny Green, just real quick to throw that in there, I like Danny Green in Toronto as well, especially when they still have a guy like C.J. Miles. They still have, you know, the guys coming off the bench like Van Vliet, DeLon Wright. Kyle Lowry can still knock threes down at a very high clip as well. So that's going to be a pretty good shooting team on top of it, even with Abaka who can also stretch the floor. That that team is going to be a good shooting team and a good defensive team. That That's going to be the... The uh, they're going to be the three and D type of team, which who knows that could be that could that could play very well in the playoffs. True, a uh, bunch of three and D kind of guys. So uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. It's going to be the East. The East got stronger by getting Kawhi. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so going back to summer league MVP Josh Hart and the summer league itself. Uh, since that wrapped up here, what was that, yesterday or the day before, I believe? Yeah, it was yesterday with the Blazers winning it all. Right. So what are your final thoughts, final standouts of Summer League? Who do you think uh, uh, had their saw their stock rise? Who do you think saw their stock fall? Uh, well, first and foremost, obviously the MVP, Josh Hart. He, he, he definitely played himself into consideration for the starting two-guard spot in L.A. I think to start the season, Contavious Caldwell-Pope will be the starter. Right. But I, I can see Josh Hart with his ability to score, his ability to shoot. Uh, he's, he was a four-year player at Villanova, so you know you're getting a guy that that's smart on the court. Uh, he's got a chance to, you know, he's he's got a chance to go from a summer league guy, a rotational guy, uh, on the Lakers last year to a starter in short order. Uh, another couple of guys, Wendell Carter was strong in, in summer league. Oh, yeah. Trey Young, outside of his first two games, had a very strong finish. Uh, uh, Zach Collins looked pretty well for the, you know, leading, helping the Blazers win the tournament. There's a lot of good pieces. Uh, Kevin Knox was good. Uh, the Nets didn't have anyone play, so I couldn't really tell you, you know. It was all the G League guys, but we we were the first team. The Nets were the first team to tank summer league. <laughs> Jared Allen did look good in the in those what two games that he played. Yeah, I think he played like two or three games. Uh, you know, Allen barely didn't play much. Levert didn't play. Right. Uh, I don't know who else we have. That Musa and the other guy Curix didn't play. So no, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of guys uh, that proved themselves. Grayson Allen had a good start in the beginning of the summer league. Uh, he cooled off a little bit towards the end. Bomba looked all right. Jaron Jackson, that was the guy I was thinking of. Jaron Jackson, he looked every bit the piece of a four, number four overall pick in summer league. Uh, you know, he I think the stats only show like twelve and eight a game, but he had I think three and a half blocks a game. He's yep. that guy, he's going to be a I think he's going to be a force for years to come. Maybe not his rookie year. You know, rookie big men might take a while to develop, but I think he'll be a force. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Jaron Jackson really, I mean, he he showed some really nice tools, really really nice skills, and on both sides of the ball. And um, speaking of the Grizzlies, I really like Javon Carter. Uh, he even though his shooting percentage wasn't that great, um, I thought Carter is a guy who perfectly fits the Grizzlies, the whole grit and grind thing. Um, and when you when you 
like saw him flash his defensive skills, I mean, they were right on point. He was a guy that was shutting down a lot of people and he's going to be pretty much like, I feel like Javon Carter is almost going to be their new version of Tony Allen, but with some better offense. Um, now I'm not saying that his defense is technically going to be as good as Tony Allen because I mean, Tony Allen is just a, I mean, that guy was just a dog on defense, but, um, I think they're, they might utilize him the same kind of way. Uh, and then, um, going to, uh, Colin Sexton. I really liked, I really I was liked going to mention him. Colin, the, I don't know if you saw that clip of him playing defense on, uh, was it, it was on heart. The, it was on heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I knew it was a guard. Um, that he's a competitor. He, he's quick. He's, he's, you, you remember, I don't know if you remember the college, uh, college season. He had that three yeah. on five game and they almost won it. You know, yep. Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton's going to be a fun watch. Uh, a couple other guys that had some big performances was Christian Wood from Milwaukee. Yep. And uh, Cheek Dallow. Yeah, he, he played at Kansas, and he was a, a five-star recruit, but he's kind of one of those project type of guys. He he averaged almost 20 and 10 in Summer League. So uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of big performances. Yes, it is Summer League, so 20 and 10 doesn't necessarily translate. But, right. you know, it's, it's good to see some guys who – you know, might not you know get thirty minutes or twenty five minutes a game during the regular season show out in summer league because you know they're, they they're they're not just trying out or they're not just trying to prove themselves for the team they're on they're they're trying to prove themselves for the other twenty nine teams in the league. Right, I agree. I agree. And um, just like as a little like guideline kind of thing here uh, for basketball society, we put together like a first, second, and third team of summer league. I don't know if you saw that. I did not yet. Uh, but so our first team was uh, Josh Hart, Monty Morris, Wendell Carter Jr., Christian Wood, and Czech Diallo. So four of the guys I mentioned. Yep. <laughs> without looking uh, at the uh, without looking at the at the website. Exactly. Uh, the one the one guy that everyone like everyone was like, oh my god, how is Colin Sexton not first team? Blah blah blah. Monty Morris had a very good. Um, summer league, like yeah, uh, twenty. What do you have? Twenty seventeen uh, and a half and six. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I liked him. I liked him at uh, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he's got a chance to be a very a backup point guard, obviously for Denver. Right. Uh, well, now that they have Isaiah Thomas, yeah, you know, the, the minutes are going to be the minutes are going to be tough for him to get. But you know, Monte Morris is a guy I like. I liked him in college, and it's good to see him show out in summer league and hopefully that translates for him to the end to the next level or to the regular season i should say exactly and that like that's the thing is just just because he's not a household name like people are going to freak out like why is he there but he he deserved to be there um and for our second team we had uh trevon blewett um we had svi uh from kansas yeah uh and then we had kevin knox mitchell robinson and willie hernan gomez Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. Yep. Uh, he 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 had a loud start. Him and Kevin Knox. Him and Kevin Knox had a loud start the summer league. Obviously. Oh yeah. As the after the Knicks got eliminated, you know, that kind of died down a little bit. Um. But yeah, and and it, it, it's weird. Uh, you bring up. Um. I shouldn't say it's weird, but it's interesting that you say, uh, Makai Luke. You bring right. up Makai Luke. I was reading an article the other day. 
and it was kind of how showing how how in the NBA draft, you know, at one through ten, everyone's like, okay, these guys are going to be stars, or these guys are going to one through five is all stars, and then five through ten, you get like another couple all stars. Um, but then it's like after pick twenty, it's just who's the most athletic guy, who's the youngest guy. Let's just chase upside. Well, the Lakers kind of have shifted their philosophy. Mm-hmm. They've taken Josh Hart. They've taken Kyle Kuzma. They've taken Svi Mikhailuk in the second round. Uh, there's one other guy I, I can't think of right now. I feel Mo like Wagner. Not... Mo Wagner, there, thank you. Yep. They took th- those four guys. I believe all four of them are four-year players. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And you know, while everyone else is chasing upside for guys that might be in the league for a year or wasn't 30 games at that wasn't getting... kuzma uh like three or four year player yeah kuzma was a four-year player yeah the, the lakers are, are understanding that the chance of you getting a, a a guy who pans out like a draymond green or or whoever gets drafted that late there's a bunch of perry joneses who oh my god he's a top 10 pick should be a top 10 pick and he doesn't do anything right so they're getting these guys that can contribute, that can fill roles, and sometimes in in the, in in the case of Kuzma and now looking at Josh Hart, they're hitting the lottery. But at the worst, you still know they're going to get that good role player, that good a guy off the bench because they're a four year player that knows what to do, knows how to handle situations, and that's a that's a smart philosophy if, if you're the Lakers. And it also is now going to help line up with LeBron that you don't have a bunch of high upside guys. You have guys that can specific roles and contribute to a championship team or uh, a very good playoff team. Right. I completely agree. And I mean, you you see a lot of guys like that actually in this draft peppered in with some of those freshmen or some of those guys that, you know, kind of did that weird from high school thing by just like skipping a year, like as Mitchell Robinson or uh, Anthony Simons. Yeah. Um, now I got to ask you a question. Yeah. About Philly. Yep. Fur can... Corkmas. Mm-hmm. Does that guy just only only play during summer league and go <laughs> off, and then you never hear about him? Because I'm pretty sure last year he had like a 40 point game in summer league, or or he had one this year. I think he had 30. Yeah, he had one points. this year. He had a. Last year he had game like another 20 something point game, and then it's a regular season he doesn't play. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was one of their two way players this year, okay. so he was playing mainly G League. Uh. But and then he was like the one of those kind of like human cigars, so he would only come in when they were up by a lot. Um, but he like that when they first got him, like that was that was the whole scouting report. They're like he can shoot, and that's pretty much about it. Uh, because I mean he's tiny. Like when you watch him play, he just looks like a, a stick out there. And so I mean he would get like tossed around by anybody who could play any kind of post game or any kind of defense. So it was promising to see him being able to knock down those kinds of shots. But like, like this past summer league, he had that 40 point game. The very next game he had zero points and shot like zero for 12. (laughs) So he's a hit or miss. Exactly. So, I mean, he might have played his way to the end of the bench or for for maybe another two-way contract. But other than that, I am not sure, especially because, like, 
I mean, I guess with the fact that Bellinelli's not there now, that might open up a spot for him potentially, but probably it's going to be taken by Zaire Smith and Markel Fultz because, like, we still haven't really seen Fultz play and, and if his shot has been fixed. So there's not – I mean, and on top of that, he's still competing with uh, Landry Schmidt and Shake Milton. So, yeah, so it's going to be hard for him. He'll probably be another, another two-way or G-League kind of guy. Exactly, exactly. Especially if he's not going to show the type of consistency that you really need. Um, but so the third team that we had for Summer League, it was John Jenkins from the Blazers, uh, Colin Sexton, Jabari Bird, Jake Lehman, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And we only had Jaron Jackson on third team because he didn't play that many games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, a couple of those guys like Jackson and uh, Sexton, obviously, are going to be very big players in this league. The other three, Jenkins is a good shooter. Jabari Bird, I'll admit, I don't know much about. And who was the fifth guy you named? Jake Lehman. Jake Lehman, um, yeah, he, he played at Maryland, two, I think he was not this year, two years ago's draft. Right. Good shooter, good little, uh, you know, a little bit of athleticism. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he has a chance to be a good role player. Uh, right. So yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, so like summer league, there's some guys that you, you know you see stuff from, and it translates. And then there's guys that it doesn't. But uh, also, just to bring up that to to move on from summer league, mm-hmm. uh, we've had some interesting moves go on since our last episode. One involving the Brooklyn Nets uh, trading away Jeremy Lin to to Atlanta. And about a minute later, or a minute before, whatever the timeline was, acquiring Kenneth Fareed from Detroit for Isaiah Whitehead, who then got waived. Right. Uh, I, as a Nets fan, I like the Kenneth Fareed move. He's he's a tenacious rebounder. He's an energy guy, but he has a little bit of talent, unlike uh, you know the Reggie Evanses, and he's 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 a more athletic Trevor Booker, essentially. Right. Uh, and the salary dump of Jeremy Lin, which I that didn't I didn't mind that, but but the Nets also got a first round pick from Denver. It's one through twelve protected, so it should it should come this year, maybe in like pick eighteen. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I I like the deal as a Nets fan and as somebody who follows the Nets. Uh, no, I like the deal too. Um, Isaiah Whitehead was somebody I really wanted to believe in. He was somebody that I liked in college and everything, but it just wasn't working out. And it he just it was kind of like one of those guys, kind of like the person that I relate him to the most is Archie Goodwin, who was another guy that had like a decent amount of hype, who you know had some promise, but just isn't panning out. Um, but so you you kind of just get him off the books, like you gave him his shot, didn't really work out. And now you bring in some new guys that, you know, look like they can stick around and, and be and fill a role that that you might need or um, be somebody that you can keep uh, like longer moving forward since they're on the younger side. So uh, I do like the deal. Um, and the, the thing is, with the Nets, they had like especially in the last two seasons, I guess. They haven't really made a deal that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Sean Marks is embarking on one of the most unique 
rebuilds I can remember in sports history. Uh, they had they were all the Nets have been awful for the last whatever it's been two three years. Right. But they, but they don't even have their own draft picks. So while they're bottom, they have no they have they have no in, in, uh, incentive to tank. Right. But they don't have the talent to win. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck. Um, so how do they get assets? They've been taking on salaries. They've been taking on bad contracts. What did that get them? That got them D'Angelo Russell. That got exactly. them the draft pick for Jared Allen. That got them uh, Dwight Howard, who obviously they bought out. But that got him another first-round pick from Denver by taking Kenneth Reed. So you look at it this year. Let's, let's just project the Nets to be a 20-25 to 25 win team. Is that, right. is that a fair projection? I would say so, yeah. So you're looking at a top eight pick. If they get lucky in the lottery, a top three pick. And now you have the Denver pick. So now they have two picks in essentially, guaranteed two picks in the top 20, I would say. Maybe two of the top 17, 16 picks if Denver's not as good. Um, so, you know, that's a that's more building blocks. And then next year... They have two max contract spots. So True. Then that's rebuild can be over starting next summer, depending on what happens. If Kyrie wants to come, if Clay wants to come, if Kawhi wants to come, <laughs> if if uh who else of uh, Demarcus Cousins wants to come. If any of them want to come. I mean, they could all none of them can come, but True. We the, the Nets have a chance. Uh so yeah, I, I like the move. Uh there was one guy, and this is another movie that happened that I was reading the Nets were interested in. I didn't think the Nets were ever going to get him. Was Jabari Parker going to from Milwaukee to to Chicago? Right. As a um, restrict, I, I guess it was he restricted free agent, and then Milwaukee just chose not to match him. Yes. Or did they renounce his? Oh, they did. Okay. So yeah, so they just chose not to match him. Two years, forty million dollars. Uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a. A good deal for Chicago to take a chance. You know, it's a it's a high risk financially, but other than mm-hmm. that, it's not much of a risk. Right, and it's I'm, a potentially high reward. I mean, with Chicago, they're still in in their own rebuilding phase as well. Um, the only problem with that move from Chicago that I can see, they just drafted Wendell Carter Jr. and okay. Jabari Parker has been playing mainly the four because he's not quick enough to play the three. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming if they want to start Wendell Carter Jr., that means they're going to start him at the three because... Carter? Yeah. Isn't he a center? Uh, he's a he's a four as well. And then Markinen's a four. Markinen is a four or a five. Mm-hmm. I would I would probably guess this is what they're gonna do. If they want to go small, they'll go Markin at the five, uh, Parker at the four, and then whoever Levine, uh, whoever else they have. Do they still have Chris Dunn? I believe they have Chris Dunn still. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I believe and, so. And like Denzel Valentine or or whatever they want to. And then if they want to go big, they'll go Markin and uh, Wendell Carter. And then the other three I just named. So like the, the, those three guys, those the Parker, Markin, and Carter will probably be interchangeable. 
until they figure out what they're going to do. And given right. that, obviously, Wendell Carter's a rookie and Jabari Parker's coming off major knee injury, mm-hmm. they can they can kind of do that. They can kind of play that game True. with those guys. And I, the other thing on top of that is, so they, they give the like a decent-sized contract to Parker. They just paid uh, Levine some pretty big money as well uh, because who was it? Was it Sacramento that tried to pry him away, I think? Yeah, yeah, it was Sacramento. Yeah, so they paid him pretty big money. Uh, I think it was for three or four years as well. It was four years, $78 million. Yeah, that's it. Um, so it, it's just kind of interesting to see, uh, like, where they're – like, it's just – they don't have – they're one of the only rebuilding teams that don't have a clear path of, like, what they're exactly doing. Because, like, you look at the Nets, you understood that, all right, they're trying to tread some water and get to the point where they have their own draft picks, and they're just trying to take on some bad contracts because that's really all they can do. And you look at, like, when the Sixers were bad, you know they were purposefully tanking, trying to collect assets. You look at, um, uh, when, like... Phoenix? The Knicks, yeah. You look at the Knicks, well... I don't know, the Knicks are a little confusing as well. But they had Porzingis, so you know, like, all right, they're building around Porzingis, and they're going to find other guys to put around him. Uh, So, like, all these teams are like, okay, they at least have one thing going on that you can say, okay, their plan is revolving around that. But with the Bulls, it's like where exactly are you at right now? Are you trying to build around Zach Levine and Markinen? Are you trying to build around just Markinen? Are you now shifting gears towards Wendell Carter Jr., except you just signed Jabari Parker? So there's a whole lot of question marks on top of that because they still haven't found their marquee point guard, um even though they've tried God knows how many ever since Derek Rose was hurt and then left. Um, so there, there's just a lot of things that I'm kind of just curious about with Chicago and, and very interested to see what happens. Yeah. I, I think for Chicago, the direction or the, 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 the mode that they're in right now, is kind of in that like acquiring assets mode. You know, right. taking on Jabari Parker, uh, Wendell Carter, drafting you know drafting Wendell Carter, marketing, keeping Levine. The, none of these guys are 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 these transcendent talents. None of these guys are the you know future MVPs of the league. Is it possible that somebody one of those of that group becomes you know a, a superstar? Sure, it, you know I've, you've seen it happen in. With any go, you know, anybody can just. Not, I shouldn't say anybody can become a star, but you've seen crazier things. Like Markinen probably can become a pretty good player or a perennial All Star. But my point is, they're in that mode of acquiring assets while they still know Jamari Parker's not going to make them a forty-win team. They're still going to be pretty bad next year, maybe a tick higher than they were. But uh, right. you know, that's where they're at, and the, the with the. With the anti-tanking rule now, where you know the top three picks are the same percentage, mm-hmm. it doesn't. You don't have to completely bottom out. You don't have to go. Spurs, uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not the Spurs. You don't have to go to Suns route, where you're just getting 
blasted every night, and then you're going to get rewarded by getting DeAndre Ayton. Right. So, yeah, it's a it's a weird direction because but they're a young team, and the one thing Jabari Parker would do is he would fit their timeline. They're probably three years away, True. two years away. So you give him a two year deal. You see if he's still got you know that upside, and if he should, and if he, and if he, you know, and if he pans out, you got a Chicago native who's played two years at the Bulls. He's going to sign that four or five year extension, and then you have a core to build around. So that's what I think they're doing. They're trying to build a core. They're going to figure out what that core is, and three years from now, after they got two more top ten, top five picks, that's when you're going to see the Bulls get back to playoff relevance that's a good point i mean the fact that he's a chicago native and i don't know if you saw his uh press conference but i, I feel like I, I saw it yeah i feel like he won over a lot of chicago fans with that press conference as well yeah he no he's he's chicago through and through from Simeon high school he's just like Derek rose so it's a it's yeah it's an interesting deal uh, I think it's good for both sides. I think it's good for Jabari Parker. I think it's good for the Bulls. So they might as well bring back Okafor too. Well, <laughs> Whitney Young, yeah. No, hey. <laughs> if you want to acquire assets, well, you're going to take a chance on Jabari Parker. Take a chance on Jaleel Okafor. Exactly. They, they weren't the same year though, right? They were a year apart. Uh... Yeah, because he played with Justice Winslow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, it's worth it. I. I don't know if you saw Jaleel Kafour's latest uh, Instagram video, but he's been shooting threes. So, oh, you know he might uh, he, he might uh, he might be transforming his game. I I'll I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, got, you, got, you definitely gotta go take a look. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna you know patiently wait for the season and see if that ever happens in a game. Well, he um, needs to be on a team for that to happen to a game. Then he needs to get put in the game by that team. So, <laughs> true. Because if we're being honest, he barely even played a game for Brooklyn. Yeah, after not completely not playing for Philadelphia. Exactly. It, yeah, completely not playing for Philadelphia while they were still like a 15 to 20 win team. Maybe what he should do is go play for like Maccabee Tel Aviv and then he'll get the preseason game that they usually play against like the Knicks. And then we'll see that that three point shot. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, put him with uh, what's his name who used to coach the Cavs, David Blatt. Yeah, perfect. Or, or like CSK Moscow or one of those you know European power Real Madrid or something. I don't know. Whoever whoever plays the preseason games in America, that that'll be our best chance to see Joel Okafor. Exactly. Okafor and David Blatt in Europe would be like Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. <laughs> in Europe, in Europe, in Europe, in Europe. Okay. Uh, big, big, uh, big emphasis on location there. Exactly in Europe, nowhere else. Well, maybe China, but <laughs> uh, Stefan Marbury's got that one. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but so uh, moving on to like another um, trade potential trade rumor, we can wrap up with this one. Um which is another thing uh, about directions that I'm not exactly sure that you want to go in, is the Oklahoma City Thunder rumored to trade for Dennis Schroeder, and the rumor is they would send over Melo. Um, now, I understand getting rid of Melo, 
because, you know, there was already the talks of buying him out in the first place. And if you really did buy him out, that's a that's a lot of money to buy him out for. Um, because it's like, what, $28 million? Yeah, but it would save them $100 million in True. like tax money. True. Um, but when I look at the fit of Schroeder on Oklahoma City, I said this in our uh, in the Basketball Society group chat. I feel like Schroeder on Oklahoma City would be like Reggie Jackson and Russell Westbrook version 2.0 with even less shooting ability. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what makes less sense. <laughs> the fact that the 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 like, like okay I, from the Oklahoma City side, Dennis Schroeder is a talented player. So right, if you can true. get a talented player on your roster, fine. You can play point guard. Yeah, you have Russell Westbrook, but they'll find a use for him. True. But from the Hawks' perspective, you want to trade Dennis Schroeder, and the best you can get is a 34-year-old or 33-year-old Carmelo Anthony with $28 million. <laughs> Who everyone thinks is better at a uh, call, at a call, rec gym with his hoodie on. <laughs> call, call Sean Marks up. We'll, we'll give them Alan Crabb, and we'll save you $11 million. I mean, come on. That can't be the best. That cannot be the best offer that the Hawks have gotten for Dennis Schroeder. Just, I can't possibly imagine that i i I completely agree (laughs) somebody uh, who's who's available Uh, is uh andre drummond available from detroit is is i mean there has to be like there just has to be somebody like uh i don't know i'm trying to think of the teams in the league is (laughs) one of the is one of the centers from sacramento available that they drafted over the last Three years. I mean, somebody, somebody. Ha- uh, what about uh, Phoenix? Uh, Marquise Chris. I mean, somebody with some potential. The Carmelo Anthony cannot be the best available player that you've been offered if you're the Atlanta Hawks. I totally get bottoming, bottoming, bottoming out to you know just get high draft picks, but that right. just makes no sense to me. Oh, I know. I mean, that, even if you are trading him to OKC, I, like I'd rather get like Jeremy Grant. <laughs> the only way that trade makes sense is if in that package it like if it's one for one that trade makes absolutely zero sense oh yeah if that trades mellow like a first round pick terrence ferguson and like hamadou diallo or something like that and you're getting these like young athletic wings with upside fine right. fine but there's no way mellow for shorter makes any i don't even think you could do that trade in 2k <laughs> you would get denied instantly. Like it just <laughs> makes zero sense. You're trading away a 23 year old or 24 year old point guard who averaged 19 and six for a 34 year old small forward who doesn't want to play in Atlanta, who averages the same numbers taking double the shots. Exactly, shooting like 38 percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that 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 can't be. I mean, I just if that happens, I I I don't know. I I don't know. The funny the funny part of that was like when I when I was first told about that trade rumor, like I literally was just sitting there like I just don't see Schroeder fitting on on Oklahoma City. I was like, first off, uh, like I said the thing about the Reggie Jackson part, um, because I mean, all in all, Schroeder is not a good shooter, um. 
he's kind of like uh, John Wall in that respect. Where I was going to say he's a sh- shorter John Wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you don't have to respect his three at all. And so are you, like if you're pairing him, if you're putting him in the starting lineup, which I feel like Schroeder would want to be in since he's been a starter almost the whole time he's been there, uh, especially when they got rid of uh, Teague. Um, like he's there. There's nowhere exactly for him to fit, but especially beside Russell Westbrook, who's going to be taking you know twenty shots a game. Um, and then say you move him to the bench, so your bench is going to be like Raymond Felton, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson, and Nerlens Noel. I forgot they got Noel. I mean, that's an interesting bench, but you can't put a no. You can't put like you can't bench Dennis Schroeder. Exactly. You just he's been too good for the last two years to be benched. It's there's got to be a better there's got to be a better trade option. Exactly. Even if you went to Philly, I mean, Philly needs more shooting. But like, if they did like like Fultz for Schroeder, wouldn't be an awful offer. For Atlanta, maybe. I feel like Philly would never do that straight up. No, no, I'm. It would. It would involve picks and other pieces. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying if you swap point guards and like got other pieces, you know, I'm just saying something better than Carmelo Anthony has to be. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's gotta there's gotta be a team in like the Canadian Basketball Association that can offer you more (laughs) than Carmelo Anthony. The only. The only trade that I could think of is that would be worse. Actually, I don't know. Would it, would it be worse if they traded Schroeder for Joakim Noah? Okay, that would be worse. <laughs> okay. I, I just wanted to Noah make sure. can get on the court. <laughs> true, true. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, there's there has to be a better option somewhere um, to to unload him on someone else's team. I mean, even if you just ship him off to like a, an awful team, like you gotta be able to get somebody else. Like you said, even Alan Crabb would be better. Um, even, uh, like if you shipped him to, um, who's on the bottom of the West now? All I hear about is the top of the West. (laughs) Um, if you shipped him to, if you shipped him to, I don't know, the Clippers. Who's on right. the Clippers? Right. You ship you him know, to the Clippers. For... Actually, the Clippers might even be willing to give up Lou Williams if because they're not competing anymore, if they're getting rid of DeAndre Jordan and everything. Hasn't Lou Williams already been a Hawk? Yes. He's been on a ton of teams. Well, recently. Okay. <laughs> you know, but um, Memphis, Dallas, I mean, there's... Well, Memphis has Conley. Dallas has two guards. San, I'm sure San Antonio would offer something. True. But Deontay Murray or something. You know, I, 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 that would be a good – like, Deontay Murray would be better than Melo. Oh, no, easily. It, but, yeah, no, it, it's – it's. I don't know. Yeah. I just can't – I can't see that trade ever making any sort of sense. I, I completely agree. But um, unless you have anything else on your mind, I think that's it for us today. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think we covered everything with uh, the moves and the summer league. I uh, can't think of anything else. 
All right, sounds good. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Make sure you guys check out BasketballSocietyOnline.com and definitely make sure you check out the other podcasts on the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud underneath the Basketball Society tree. You can find us on Apple Podcasts in Basketball Society or The Atlantic Files. Uh, We have a uh, podcast Twitter profile at Atlantic Files. Uh, Mike and I are both on Instagram, Twitter as well. Um, so we will catch you guys next week. All right. Sounds good. Later. <laughs>